It's time for episode 308 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, August 21st, 2019. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise. I'm Micah Sargent, and this is the tech podcast where Dan's back. Dan Morin, how you doing? I've been watching the clock for three weeks. Can I stop now? I'm just a little frazzled. <laughs> it's nice to be back. It was a it was a lovely break. I got to travel around and see some people, and uh, you know, hang out and see lovely scenery, and it was fabulous. But I'm I'm happy to be back here on Clockwise, my my one and true home. I am excited uh, to to get to our guests today. To my left is the chief emoji officer, the one who everyone, including his own family members, go to when they have problems with emoji, bitmoji, bitcoin, and all sorts of other bit <laughs> and moji style things. It's Jeremy Burge, Mr. Boat. That, <laughs> that is my grandma who does call bitmoji uh, bitcoin. That, that was <laughs> such I loved that post. That was so adorable. To my left, also joining us uh, from across this vast ocean that separates us, it is the developer of very important apps, such as Dice by PCalc, and something else that I don't remember. Uh, it's a calculator, I guess. I don't know what it's called. Uh, it's James Thompson. Welcome back, James. Well, thanks. I only agreed to do this because I'm now joint top of the clockwise guest chart. Oh, oh, oh. yes. The leaderboards have been upended. <laughs> Uh, we are happy to have you both here, and we're happy to get this thing rolling, because you know we've got these four topics in just 30 minutes, so we need to get going. Uh, my question for you, it's a simple one. What is your method for getting things done? And I'm not necessarily, necessarily talking about the trademarked version of this. I just want to know how you go about task managing for yourself. Jeremy, we'll start with you. Uh, I have been unknowingly using a method for at least a decade now that... I have recently found out is known as the this Jason Snell method of scheduling, which as far as I understand, at least my version of this, I don't know if it's exactly the same, but I, I've got a thing to do. I think of roughly when I should do it and I pop a calendar entry. So if I kind of go, it could be something I want to do. I want to see a pizza place. I pop it in my calendar next Wednesday, go to pizza place. If it's something important to do, I pop it in my calendar for tomorrow and if I get to it and it doesn't really need to be done, I just kind of keep pushing it back in my calendar and I either do it or I delete it. And uh, the second part to this method, which is quite important, is that a lot of people kind of think that I'm like on top of my game, like I'm sort of good at getting things done. And it's an absolute lie. The reality is that I'm awful at multitasking, but because I know this, I kind of just get through a lot of stuff because I don't, I can't juggle three things at once. So if I have three things to do, I'll do two of them right away. So I've only ever really got one thing to do. And that's my, that's my method is just either don't do things or just actually do them, but don't have lots of things to do because I can't handle it. Oh, wow. Okay. I like this. It's the Burge Snell method, which is also <laughs> the name of my next book. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> um, I use, I, f I feel like my system is very jury rigged. Like it's one of those things that's sort of grown up organically over time as I realize like, oh, there's a shortfall in my system here. I'll just add this other way of doing things. So I use three primary tools, uh, as Jeremy suggested, for things that really do have like a specific time 
uh, need, um, then I will use my calendar. So, for example, I've got a clockwise event every Wednesday at noon. That just tells me, like, don't schedule other stuff during that period. Um, for tasks that are like discrete tasks but aren't related to doing something in a particular time, I use reminders. I just put a list. It's very simple. It's just like, oh, remember to do this thing. Um, sometimes I'll at attach an alert or something to it if I need to have it done by a certain time, like a deadline. Um, and then I use my email inbox and I flag stuff that's like stuff that comes in from other sources that are things I need to respond to or things I need to take actions to get back to. Um, and I guess technically I do have a spreadsheet that I used to use for tracking freelance writing assignments, but I do less of those nowadays, so I don't actually use that as much. Um, and so all those things are the easy, the best thing about all those things are they're all, you know, part of the Mac and iOS ecosystems. So I don't have to invest in any extra software. Um, they kind of just work with the way, the way my brain works. So it doesn't require me to le learn a new system either. And most importantly, they sync between all of my devices, which means no matter where I am, I always have a good picture of what I need to do. So it's not the most elegant system, but it works just fine for my purposes. And as far as I know, I haven't been like terribly late on a bunch of projects. So thumbs up on that. James, what's your system? Well, there's a large assumption in the question that I do actually get things done. Um, <laughs> you, you do. Sometimes I very much do not. But I mean, to quote the great computer deep thought, I have an answer for you but you're not going to like it. Um, typically, when I'm on a podcast like this one, I will have copious printed out notes, and I have piles of these pr from previous recordings sitting on my desk. On the blank side of these old podcast notes, I scribble things down as they occur to me, and when I do a thing, I cross it out. Uh, every week, I take a new sheet from the pile, and I write down all the uncrossed out items from the previous sheet onto it, and that is my entire system. Uh, crossing things out makes me happy as does starting a fresh sheet that's only got a few things on it so basically my productivity is entirely based on me going on podcasts uh, if I stopped I wouldn't have anywhere to write down my notes um, I do also use email so if I have something that is very pressing I will send myself an email to remind myself of this and every time I do that I get a new email and I think, oh, somebody's emailed me. Who is it? <laughs> and it's always me. It's got just enough chaotic energy to it that it feels right for me. I need a little bit of chaotic energy for a system to stick. And so I quite do like the, and it's a system that I use too, is the write down things I need to get done, cross out, which feels great, the things that I've done, and then start a new list with those things from the day before that I didn't get done. And I do that physically in a little notebook um, to have the, the physical representation of that, which helps keep it there in the book. Uh, but then I also live and die by my calendar. So my calendar is my uh, everything. It tells me what I am doing, what I'm not doing. And it, I don't have it marked down to like at 507, you will sneeze, but, um, I do have all of my events. And like you said, Oh, you want to check out a new restaurant or something? Um, put it in there so that you remember it. If I don't have things noted in my calendar, they aren't happening. And I am the one who sends calendar invites to friends and family whenever they're like, Oh yeah, we should get together. And then they're like, um, how do I, what do I do with this calendar invite? I'm like, well, you don't have to use it. I just, it's just important to me that, that I send it. I need you to know that. Um, and then lastly, I have, I don't email myself. I have a text message 
stream with a uh, text message conversation with myself that's just it's full of all sorts of things notes tweets texts uh links all manner of things images etc and so i can always just scroll back through there and uh, find what i was looking for or something i thought was interesting for that day uh, thank you all for your answers on that i can cross that off my list here Let's go ahead and move on to our next topic, which comes from Jeremy. Uh, so, Qi charging uh, has been around quite a while. It's been a thing for a number of years. I'm kind of wondering what's up for it with you guys. Are, are you in? Are you in on Qi charging now? Have you changed your mind? Have you gone in and gone back? Are you not? You're just not interested. What are you doing with Qi charging or other kind of wireless charging solutions? I am all in. Um, I don't. Actually, most of the charging I do every day is done with you charging for my phone, uh, which is the only device I have, I think, that really supports it, uh, aside from, like, sort of the Apple Watch, which is not really Qi charging. Um, I have a Qi charger on my desk, which is where my phone is sitting at this very moment. It's one of those inclined ones. It's a Samsung model. works perfectly nicely, uh, and it lets me just sort of glance down at my phone when notifications come in. I can, with Face ID, automatically unlock. I love it. Uh, I also bought... A few months ago, a um, Studio Neat uh, makes a dual charging. Actually, I think it's a triple charging one, um, but it's got a, a place for your Apple Watch charger, and then it has a Qi pad for your phone, and you can actually like thread another lightning cable in there if you need to charge something else too. Um, and that's on my nightstand, and I leave my phone there at night to charge, and that works great. Um, I really like Qi charging. I wish that it was even more widespread, even more devices had it, even more places supported it, because I think that is a, you know, it's not quite the revolution that, say, Wi-Fi was, but it's certainly nice to not have to tote around cables um, and try to find a plug to plug things in. I think it's more secure um, than the uh, than, than using, say, USB ports at a random place um, and all that jazz. My only sadness was uh, when I was traveling for the last few weeks, I just used a standard USB wall plug for my, my phone and my watch, etc., which was fine, but I missed my little wireless charging, so I'm glad to have it back. I am, as they say, also all in. Uh, not really because of the convenience of Qi charging, but more of because of the inconvenience of not having a headphone socket anymore. Um, at night, I fall asleep listening to podcasts. Previously, I would plug in a pair of slimline wired headphones that I could still sleep while wearing, and plug my phone into the charger and everything worked. Then the headphone socket went away. And for a while I used a Belkin Rockstar adapter that let me plug in a cha uh, charger and a lightning headphone adapter at the same time, but it was pretty cumbersome. So now that the phones have got Qi charging, I have a Mophie charger at the side of my bed and I put my phone on that while, uh, while I'm sleeping. And every night I curse the white LED that comes on to let you know that the phone is charging, that shines into my face with all the brightness of a tiny annoying sun. Um, and I could cover it up with some tape, but then I wouldn't know I'd managed to place my phone in exactly the sort of square inch of the right position for it to charge. So I guess I'm reluctantly all in on Qi charging. I am all in on Qi charging as well. Um, I have one at home and one at work that are desk uh, style so that the Qi pad is sort of sitting up. Um, I have a mount in my car that is Qi charging. So on the way to work and on the way wherever else while I'm navigating in this new place, um, I can be charging while I am 
uh, using the, the phone for, for no, for mobile navigation and, you know, listening to music or what have you. So I quite like it. Um, I was, like I said, I was also reluctant at first, but now I'm so all in that I encourage everybody, um, around me to be chi charging friendly. And in fact, my grandma just recently updated her phone right before I left, uh, Missouri and, I, working as a tech journalist, have gotten lots of different press samples and things like that. And so I had an extra Qi charger hanging out. And I was like, you got to take this. You need it for your phone. You're going to love it. And now she's like dead set on, oh, I wish I could have one of those in all of the rooms of my house. And then I told her the price. And then she said, okay, never mind. But um, <laughs> I think I think the wireless, quote unquote, wireless charging is great. And um, I am... I do wish there are times where I do wish that I did have a headphone jack, but that's all right. Um, it's it's fine. It's fine, I guess. I, I also liked Michael when you said that I encourage everyone around me to be chi charging. You added the charging at the end, but I like that. Um, I I I went all in on chi charging, but I'm having a few issues, and I don't know whether it's my particular charging mats. Finding the phone is very good. I like that. Um, the Apple battery case, which is meant to do Qi charging, and it does, but I find it always turns off in the night, and I don't know whether it's my charging mat or the case, so that's quite a frustrating thing. It's hard to troubleshoot, right? You plug in a cable, it works. You wake up, and these things, and they haven't moved. It's some kind of heat or something. I don't know. And then same with my wireless AirPods as well, so I'm wondering if my mats are problematic. I don't know whether anyone's had any issues. So I love the idea. I'm, I'm in for that, but... Every now and then, if I'm like, I definitely need this to be charged when I wake up, I go and use the cable, and then that kind of defeats the purpose, right? All right, folks, we have reached halftime just in time. This episode, of course, is brought to you by our friends at Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud, and you can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Linode has hundreds of thousands of customers, and they're all looked after by their incredible 24-7 support team. If you ever run into any problems, all you got to do is drop drop them an email, you can give them a call, or you can use IRC to chat with them in the Linode community if that's easier. Whatever suits you best, and there are also some super useful guides and support documentation. So if you just need to, you know, quickly look something up, you're not needing to place that call or what have you, then you can head there. Their new management panel is now in beta at cloud.linode.com. The new management console is a single page application built using the cutting edge React.js stack and is backed entirely by their public API. And it's open source. Plus, they've got two-factor authentication to keep you and all your data safe and secure. Oh, and by the way, Linode is hiring right now. If you want to learn more and check out what they're looking for, head to linode.com slash careers. Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. Their plans start at a gig of RAM for only 5 bucks a month, and they've got high memory plans starting with 16 gigs of RAM. And Linode has a special offer for you out there. As a listener of this show, you can go to linode.com slash clockwise. You can use that promo code clockwise2019 at checkout to get $20 towards any Linode plan. If we do the maths on that, that's a gig of RAM. Uh, that's four free months on the gig of RAM plan. And with the seven-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose. Give Linode a try today. That's linode.com slash clockwise with the promo code clockwise2019 
To learn more, sign up and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, I hope you noticed that I said maths during that, and that was for you both, Jeremy and James. But Dan, it is your turn. So what have you got for us? Well, uh, the Apple card has arrived, and people have been talking about that a lot for the last few days. Uh, my question for you folks is, does this make any real waves in the credit card industry? Is this, for lack of a better word, disruptive, or is it just more of the same? And I, I will caveat this by saying I'm aware that uh, our two guests are outside of the U.S., and therefore I don't believe can sign up for the Apple Card currently. But I'd still like your your input and thoughts about that. James? Yeah, so I was going to say, it's not here for some of us. Um, uh, I've not heard a date for a U.K. launch as yet. Um, I think, as I previously stated, it's because we have banking regulations. Um, so, you know, if this card wasn't being brought to us by Goldman Sachs and there weren't rumblings of them approving people with subprime credit scores for it, I might believe that this is uh, something different. I mean, credit cards are great if you can afford to pay them off uh, in their entirety every month. But if you can't, they can become a real problem. And I've known multiple friends who managed to rack up tens of thousands of pounds of credit card debt, which kept growing at an alarming rate. So, you know, I have a certain skepticism about them. Uh, I mean, time will tell. Uh, but yeah, the, the point of these products is to make money, either through credit card fees on transactions or through the interest on it. And the Apple card, you know, it has a nice sort of Apple interface over it all. Um, but uh, I think it's still, you know, just lipstick on a piggy bank, really. Um, you know, having said, you know, all this, when it finally does come to the UK, I am probably going to get one just for the extra cash back on buying Apple kit, which I do with alarming regularity. But I don't really see this being making any major changes in the industry you know it's a credit card that's got an app you know it's not that special i could get this card but i am not going to be getting this card i think that one of the things that i can say that i feel is a little bit different and this is based on reporting that uh is you know spoke to sources familiar with the matter is that they apple and the team at goldman sachs genuinely were trying to create a card that folks would use responsibly and so goldman sachs is dipping into subprime lending with this card there are folks that have credit scores where they might not get approved for another uh, popular and high reward card but they are getting approved for the apple card which does have lower rewards uh this card is for people to understand how credit works and to be responsible about paying back and to encourage payback because of the way that you can almost instantly get your cash back rewards after you use the card. And so in that sense, I think that there are not waves, but ripples in the credit card industry, the big credit cards from the big companies, uh, the big banks and things like that, not so much as focused on responsible lending and responsible credit building as uh, the Apple Card seems to be, and with a genuine push and desire for the credit to be lent responsibly. So yeah, some ripples, but not waves. Jeremy, what are your thoughts? I mean, I know it must be so frustrating being in the US and you get this whole thing where anything to do with payments and the rest of the world goes... 
boring, seen it before, contactless payments, sort of Apple Pay, all that sort of thing. Um, it is a bit like that in some ways, that the Apple Card looks so much like a lot of the sort of challenger banks that are very popular in the UK around Europe. They all have a metal card option. They all have an app and no website. I know people are sort of discovering that about the Apple Card going, wow, I can only administer my transactions in the app and not the website. There are a lot of very successful companies already doing that in the UK. And I'm a customer of some and I, it is kind of annoying. I wish I could use the website, but most of them not interested. They, they make the app experience good and they haven't even bothered with the website years later. So I wouldn't be surprised if Apple sticks doing that. Uh, they all have sort of a colorful chart, budgeting, that sort of thing. They all look very similar in app chat. Apple Card looks the same. The big difference being that debit cards are quite popular in Europe and the UK where you're spending your own money. It's still a Visa or it's still a MasterCard. Um, and you can still use it on all the same websites, but you're using your own money. And this that's obviously not much of a, a big thing in the US. Credit cards are much bigger in the US. So I understand why Apple's gone with that. And I think, you know, I think they're sort of, uh, they're picking what's popular in other markets and this kind of thing, a neat app that does lots of little things. It's kind of cute. And I think people will like it. It's not going to change the world, but people, it'll be successful. Yeah, I, I found myself a little divided when the Apple Card was first announced just because the idea of including it alongside other Apple products felt somewhat unApple like to me, right? Like, you know, we, we like to point out that when you get a Google service for free, it's because you are the product. And of course, a credit card is a little bit similar, right? You are the one who's being made, money is being made off you rather than you paying for a service and getting uh, something in return. So it felt a little uncomfortable to me, I will say. That said, I think for the reasons that you folks have lined, laid out there, there are some attempts here to do things um, that are at least a little better vis-a-vis -vis the U.S. system, if not the worldwide system. Um, I'm interested to see how much Apple continues to sort of try and push that responsibility angle and try and get people to not incur interest fees, right? Because that's a weird, it's a weird conflict of interest where it's like, we both want to be supportive to our customers and not have them feel like they are getting, you know, schmiced by these, these high payments, but we also want to make money. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how that actually ends up, um, um, playing out. Uh, I, I signed up for one last night. Uh, I haven't used it yet, but I, um, I'm intrigued with some of it. And especially as James pointed out, the, the cashback incentives on buying Apple products certainly makes it, uh, more attractive because of the fact that we, <laughs> most of us probably buy a lot of things from Apple. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. I think Micah, you put it best. You said ripples, not waves. I do think that's a, that's a good way of looking at it. I think there are some small changes afoot here, but I'm curious to see how Apple continues to evolve their thinking around this card going forward. Thank you all for your thoughts on that. Let us go to our last topic, which comes from James. So it's rumored that Apple's TV Plus service is going to cost $9.99 per month, and Apple Arcade is going to cost about half that. My thought was, how many services are you currently subscribed to, and at what point is it all too much? Well, for the sake of not embarrassing myself, I'm going to go ahead and say I plead the fifth on the grounds that I might incriminate myself for how many I'm currently subscribed to. I'm already at the point where it feels like it's all too much. I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of what some folks do, which is wait for a whole show season to come out and then get the like free month-long trial or pay for one month and watch binge watch it during 
you know, the, that, that month that they've subscribed because it's just so much. It's a lot to think about and it feels very overwhelming. And I don't, I don't know that I'm, I, I don't, I don't like it. Jeremy, do you like it? Uh, I've got a simple system. I mostly don't subscribe to anything and it, it works well for me. Um, I don't really feel the FOMO for sort of TV and movies in particular that, if everyone's talking about a show, I'm like, yeah, but there's other good shows. So uh, in the UK, there's 50 free-to-air digital TV channels. I don't watch them much, but if I just want to watch anything, there'll be something on one of them, maybe. Uh, every now and then, I will buy a, subs- uh, a series on iTunes, and I'll just watch that whenever I like. Uh, I'm working my way through Flight at the Concords right now, just a, a fun New Zealand-American show. Uh, and otherwise... I don't know, I'm just like, whatever, no Netflix, I've got Prime, Amazon Prime, because living on a boat, deliveries and Amazon lockers, amazing, and you get a bit of free video too, so that's it for me, and Apple Music, I like I like podcasts and music, so I can do other stuff at the same time, I'm not much for just doing one thing, I can't concentrate, I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> I have way too many services, like Micah, um, I subscribe to Netflix and Hulu, um, I also use Apple Music. Um, I do occasionally subscribe. Oh, I have Prime as well, and I do subscribe to like other channels. But I usually do those in sort of a turn on, turn off thing. So like, you know, when Star Trek Discovery rolls around, I'll turn on my CBS All Access subscription, and then when it's off the air, I will unsubscribe. And I've done that with a bunch of other services where there's like one or two shows I want to watch, and I like that aspect of it. That aspect of it feels much improved over things like cable, where it was like kind of an all or nothing proposition. But it does add up. And I think the biggest question for me looking at things like Apple TV Plus and Apple Arcade is whether Apple is going to offer any sort of bundle pricing, which is to say, if you already subscribe to one of its services, will other services be offered at a discount? Or are people going to pay for Apple TV Plus, Apple News, Apple Arcade, Apple Music, and just be, you know, death by a thousand nickels? Is that the expression? Yeah. That is definitely the expression, Uh, yeah. Death by a thousand nickels. Um I don't know, I, and I think it would be well in their interest to do that because it encourages more people to subscribe and and you know solidify their position inside the Apple ecosystem um, as opposed to having to deal with all these different subscriptions separate, separately um, and especially adding the ability for you to subscribe to channels of content via the Apple TV app as Amazon has done in its Prime app I think is also a really smart move since, again, it lets you have like sort of a central clearinghouse for all that content. So I, I do think it's overwhelming. It's a bit much. I do appreciate the flexibility. I am curious to see whether will, there will eventually be a backlash and people will be like, nope, too many services. I'm dialing way back. But I suspect that a lot of people will just kind of stick with either the ones that they have been using the longest or probably just the ones they feel like offer them the best content. But yeah, it's a, it's a diff- it's getting more and more difficult, certainly. So I decided to ask this question because I really just wanted the excuse to sit down and figure out exactly how much I'm spending. Um, and with all these new services on the horizon, I am getting to the point where I'm thinking, can I afford to sort of drop some things? But there's no really good, obvious candidates for dropping. So I, I quickly before recording, I went down the list. So I've got Netflix, Amazon Prime, Apple Music, PlayStation Plus, Nintendo Online, the extremely worthy Relay FM, Six Colors, and Mac Stories subscriptions, um, and also Edge Magazine. And all of that adds up to, it's about £560 a year, personally, which is 
$676 a year in your American currency. And that was a much higher figure than I was expecting it to be. Um, and business-wise, I'm also paying similarly for that again for Adobe for their Creative Cloud stuff and my Apple developer memberships and things. So, you know, th- these recurring payments are, are a much bigger number than I thought they were. And so I'm looking at that and I'm looking at the list and I'm thinking, so what can I get rid of from that? And it's, there's nothing really obvious. The, the Edge magazine subscription, I've subscribed to that magazine for about 25 years now and I'm just waiting for it to die because I'm not going to stop subscribing to it because I still have all the issues up on my shelf. Uh, so I want them to just stop it and then I can stop. But when I have a full collection... Uh, but other than that, there's, there's nothing really. And yeah, there's the Apple TV stuff. Well, from the sounds of it, if it's got six shows, um, maybe it's not going to be a must have at the beginning. Um, you know, I'm, I'm interested in the, the blind Aquaman show, but <sighs> there's not really much else. Um, that really sort of leapt out at me on that. So we'll have to see. Apple Arcade does look very interesting, though. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm just going to need to sort of bite the bullet and uh, spend more money, uh, which goes against my core nature. But we'll see. Uh, thank you all for that. Dan, we have reached the end of another episode. All that's left is to thank our awesome guests. Jeremy Burge, thank you for being here. Thank you. I had a few ducks subscribed to my window while we've been recording. So uh, they get that for free, though. Hello, ducks. <laughs> uh, James Townsend, thank you for being here. Um, all I can offer is the seagulls, which are looking at me through my window, uh, trying to work out how to get in and eat my food. <laughs> well, we are entirely bird-free where I am, and I hope that you are bird-free out there, too. Uh, that's all for this week. We will be back next week. But, of course, we remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.